Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. and gentlemen and what a morning it is today is a day where we get to come together and celebrate with great joy what God has done for us in the past and how Jesus fulfilled that stuff as we look forward to that great future day when Jesus Christ of Nazareth returns and takes his great power and begins to reign more of that coming later But for now, I've got a little bit of fun for us. We're gonna play a little game, but I've been kind of busy this morning, so I haven't actually set it up yet. But what I want you to do is get your phone out and go to the Rehope Southside Instagram page. That's at Rehope Southside. If you don't follow us already, here's a good reason to. And we're gonna play a little game called, which celebration brings you the most joy? So the way it's going to work is we are going to like get a matchup of like two different holidays, I suppose, like reasons to celebrate, and we just need to decide which is the one that brings you the most joy. So I've just got one uploaded so far because busy, you know, life is busy sometimes, but um, we'll use this one as a little working example. So um, here we go, it's, um, it's Halloween versus Valentine's Day. You can see a little slider that's there, don't decide yet because we'll do this one as a little working example. So it kind of works like this. I have to say, I don't have a whole lot of love in my heart for Halloween, um, but I would imagine that if you're a little kid and you're going around all your neighbors picking up a whole bunch of sweeties, that you might have a little bit more love in your heart for Halloween. Um, Valentine's Day, I can take it or leave it, but um, if making a choice between Valentine's Day and Halloween, I'm gonna go Valentine's Day. So I'm gonna grab my slider gonna move it all the way down to the Valentine's Day side. Don't think, oh, I like that one a wee bit and I like that one a wee bit, so I'll unbut that one a wee bit more, I'll leave it in the middle. Go full whack, you have to choose and uh, choose. You guys go ahead and choose while I post the next one and we'll just do it like that. The next one is going to be maybe a little bit of a funny one because of uh, what day it is today. And that next one, I hope you've chosen already, is October week versus the May bank holidays. Now, um, it is the October week, and that means a lot of our teacher friends are off gallivanting, but Sonia, wherever you are, respect, you're here. Um, so the data sample might be a little bit incomplete, but um, teachers, if you are watching this online later and you want to join in, um, you can join in. So uh, October week or May bank holidays, go and choose just now. I know what I'm gonna choose. Oh, I haven't posted it yet. Catch up, Crooksy. There we go. Boom, choose, love that. I've chosen, apparently it hasn't uploaded completely yet, but we'll get there. Please, 
Oh, you've got it. Great. Love that for us. And then we can move on to the next one, the Battle of Scotland. It's Hogmanay versus Burns Knight. Ooh, it suffers me to put a picture of Edinburgh on my screen, but life is life sometimes, isn't it? Um, I've had a couple of belters on Hogmanay in my day, do you know what I mean? But sometimes it is a little bit of an anticlimax. Um, Burns Knight, you get to eat all the food that you love, but it turns out Robbie wasn't the nicest human in the history of ever. Um, so it's going to be a mixed bag, but choose the one that you experience the most joy out of, not the one that is the, the day that is like most uh, significant or like that you can stand behind or whatever. Let's choose. Um, bidding, I've chosen. Oh, I chose the wrong one. <laughs> Oops. Well, of all the things I could get wrong today, that's probably going to be the least important one. And we'll move on to our last one, friends. This is a biggie. Um, it's Christmas versus Easter. Oh, yeah, I know, right? So, again, not choosing the one that we feel has the most theological significance or whatever, just the one that you think has the most joy connected to it. I definitely know what I'm going to choose for that one. Um, has it uploaded yet? Apparently it has. Oh, I can see that some people have seen it. Love that for us. Okay, now if I just give you a little second more to uh, see what the deal is, I can give you the answers. Ooh, and the results. Ooh, um, I'm happy. I'm a happy person because Halloween has lost. <laughs> Valentine's Day wins it. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, whatever. Mixed emotions from them all. I can see who chose Halloween. So... <laughs> you weren't in... Uh, mm, agree to disagree, Iona, but I love that you're shouting out at me. There's, the kids pastor at me was really happy in that moment. Great. Uh, Totty week, October week versus May bank holidays. Oh, this is closer than I was expecting, but maybe once the teachers join in and it's the week off, you know, maybe that will go other way. I'm just like, you might have a week off, but you're never having a barbecue in the park in October. So I'm glad that the May bank holidays have won. Good times. Hogmanay versus Burns night. I mean... I thought it was going to be close, but it wasn't. Hogmanay takes it. Anticlimax sometimes or not. Like, we've all had a belt or two, haven't we? Um, Every loves Achille, and Christmas has wiped the floor with Easter. <laughs> and I get it, you know, like, with Easter, there's a wider range of emotions, all of which are appropriate, but Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Good fun. Love a little game. There is Kids Pastor in me yet. Um, thanks for joining in with that. And today we are celebrating something that the Bible says is the most joyful holiday in all of the Jewish calendar. That's the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot as it is more authentically known. So we're going to start off by seeing what the Bible says about it. We're going to start off in Exodus chapter 23. So if you've got a Bible with you today, now's a good time to look that up. Um, if you don't, that's not a problem. The words will be up on the screen as I read. We'll start in Exodus 23, then we'll jump to Leviticus 23, and finally Deuteronomy chapter 16. So we can build up a full picture of what what this feast was designed and intended to be like. So let's go. Exodus 23, starting in verse 14. Uh, this is God talking, and he says, Celebrate a festival in my honor three times a year. Observe the festival of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, they've already done this one by this point. As I commanded you, you are to eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, because you came out of Egypt in that month. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. 
also observe the festival of harvest with the first fruits of your produce from what you sow in the field and observe the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather your produce from the field three times a year all your meals all your meals all your meals are to appear before the lord okay three times a year grand got it but we're going to be focusing in on that last one mentioned the feast of ingathering Feast of Shelters, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booths, Sukkot, whatever it gets called. That's the one we're focusing on. So, so far we get a vibe that it's got something to do with the harvest, but this section is really helpful for like framing the whole thing because it talks about the relationship between the feasts and God liberating his people from being enslaved in Egypt and all the stuff that goes along with that. And this context is important since it shows us that there's like a new way of life for the people within which these festivals and feasts fit. But there is more to learn, so let's jump to everybody's most favoritest and most joyfulest book in the whole Bible, Leviticus. Chapter 23, verse 26. The Lord again spoke to Moses. The tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. You're to hold a sacred assembly and practice self-denial. You're to present a food offering to the Lord. On this particular day, you're not to do any work, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for yourselves before the Lord your God. And jumping down to verse 33, the Lord spoke to Moses, tell Israelites, the festival of shelters to the Lord begins on the 15th day of the seventh month and continues for seven days. There is to be a sacred assembly on the first day. You're not to do any daily work. You're to present a food offering to the Lord for seven days and on the eighth day, you're to hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You are not to do any work. Okay, cool. We're keeping it uncomplicated and seeing that this is a seven or eight day. There's like a, a bonus closing day of this festival and it includes sacred assemblies and it comes hot on the heels after the Day of Atonement, which brings significance to how this festival is celebrated. Last week, we marked the Day of Atonement by fasting, and we talked in the lead up to that about how it is a very solemn day, the most solemn day in all of the Jewish calendar, um, because we remember how we're going to stand before God someday as he judges the living and the dead, including us, and we are going to have to give an account of our lives. And it's in the aftermath of the Day of Atonement that we celebrate Sukkot. So are we keeping these somber, solemn vibes? Well, we're about to find out, but the amount that I've talked about joy so far might give you a little clue to where we're going. Um, but let's find out for real. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 13 says, You're to celebrate the festival of shelters for seven days when you have gathered in everything from your threshing floor and wine press. Rejoice during your festival. You, your son and daughter, your male and female slave, as well as the Levite, the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow within your gates. You're to hold a seven-day festival to the Lord your God in the place he chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and all the work of your hands, and you will have abundant joy. So, uh, fun stuff to add into the mix. There's a thankfulness aspect um, to it, and the people are commanded to rejoice because there's nothing that says that sacred can't mean joyful, and I hope that that's something that you recognize from your experiences here at this church. And the people move from solemn day of atonement to rejoicing, and that thing applies to everyone. 
This isn't an exclusive thing like the Passover. This is something that everybody gets to join in with. And the last thing to add into the mix is that God will bring an extra special blessing to his people. Yo, this sounds class. Like, sounds great. Celebration and joy and blessing for a week plus a bonus day. Love that. That sounds great. But let me ask you this thing, though. How would you react to being commanded to be joyful? Commanded. Is that the way joy works? Is that the way it works? I mean, there would have been a time in my life where I would definitely have told you that no, that's not the way it works. Like, you can't just, like, turn your emotions on and off whenever you choose. That's not authentic, and that's not how feelings work. But I have worked hard to master my emotions over time. There was time when my emotions were definitely the master of me. But I have discovered that you can control them. You can turn them on and off. You can make sure that they're not overflowing and like being too strong. You can keep it chill. You can control your emotions. And anyway, joy is way more than just an emotion. There is a feeling part of it, but it's way more than just an emotion. The Bible cliche goes like this, that joy is more than just happiness, although there is part of it that is happiness, but joy isn't dependent on your circumstances. And I'm not about to throw out some cliche to you and not give you a working example of why, um, despite its cliche, that it is true. Um, so that's where we're going to go next. It was really fun to have been reading Deuteronomy for Bible read-through in the build-up to this sermon. And when we met on Monday, my Bible read-through group gave me a whole bunch of like really fun ideas. I'm going to steal some of those ideas for this sermon, but I'm going to state my sources because fair is fair. Um, we'll start in Deuteronomy chapter 10, uh, verse 17 and 18. And we're going to look at an example of joy not being dependent on circumstances. So it says, the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of hosts, the great, mighty and awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the resident alien, giving them food and clothing. I love this. Um, Jim, uh, just for fun, Jamie and I, our official um, residential status when we lived in America was non-resident alien. Um, so can relate. And that's nice. Um, this sounds like some good news up in here. Like God is supreme. He is a full-scale powerhouse. And he's fair and he cares for people who need it. That is some good news especially if you fit into one of those categories that Moses mentioned or a category like it, you're gonna love this God. He's the exact kind of God that you need and you've got him. But it's a completely different story if you've kind of been giving God a half-baked life and been trying to get away with a cheeky bribe every now and again and not caring for people who need care, then the powerhouse of a God seems pretty threatening to you. It hits differently, doesn't it? And if you have been oppressed, the fact that there is a supremely powerful God who is coming to your rescue is a great thing. 
And something that Gary was chatting about at Read Through is that since we kind of have lost some or a bunch or like almost all of the like fear of God thing, we've really like diluted down and cramped how powerful God can be for us. But he can be scary. He is really powerful. And that powerful that power is either coming to your rescue or it can be standing against you depending on how you are choosing to live your life. Get this, Moses praises God for being scary for this very thing when he's chatting to the people about how God is unique in his power. We can find that in Deuteronomy chapter four. He says, has a God, uh, sorry, excuse me, has a people heard God's voice speaking from the fire as you have and lived? Or has a God attempted to go and take a nation as his own out of another nation by trials, signs, wonder and war, by a strong hand, an outstretched arm, by great terrors, as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Any God wouldn't even try, never mind be successful in doing the things that our God does. And the word terror in here is a really big impactful word like God isn't here to be messed around with he just isn't he's a powerhouse and that power is either coming to your rescue or standing against you and Moses was chatting this chat in the context of giving the people a choice a choice that still stands for us today and that's choose life or choose death your call wow so joyful up in here today but it can be really, really joyful because we can choose life. We can choose to have that power coming to our rescue and that really is joyful. Here's Moses' message. Remember where you came from and choose life. Let's go back to that section in Deuteronomy chapter 10 for just a second. And the Jewish people at this time are a freshly liberated people. They're not out of the woods yet, or I suppose they're not out of the desert yet. The woods would probably be an upgrade. Um, but um, they are living in a moment where we can see that they have a very complex and challenging and pretty unique cultural, historical identity. One that still continues for Jewish people to this day. Like at the same time as being like formerly enslaved, but freshly liberated people, they are experiencing the privilege of being God's chosen people. And oppression and privilege are not things that we commonly think of as going together, but here they are. And it's not that they have a little bit of each, like some kind of balance or something like that. Like that's not how it works. They are 100% God's chosen people called by his name, 100% privileged. And they are 100% formerly enslaved, freshly liberated, but definitely still living with the immediate impact of their enslavement at that, I mean, at that time for sure. They're still in the desert. They're homeless. They're landless. They are 100% both at the same time. It's a very complicated and complex identity that Jewish people have. And it's something that they still identify with, of course. It's played a huge part of Jewish history. 
But if you were to ask these dudes in this moment, if they related more strongly to being oppressed or being privileged, I would imagine, and I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to speak for Jewish people, but I would imagine if that were me and I were in their shoes, that I would identify more strongly with the oppressed part of it. And we can still see like the, the, the oppression part playing out in Jewish cultural identity to this day due to this and subsequent historical and modern factors. But we also know from biblical history that the people go on to be established firmly in the land and at different points of their history, they play a major geopolitical role in that area. And maybe in the days of Solomon, people might identify more with the privilege part more strongly. A very unique, complex and challenging cultural identity. And God knows that. God knows that this is something that his people are going to have as like identity marks. Um, so he invites them and he commands them to remember where they came from. Not to go back, but just to remember where they came from. And it's at this time of the year that Jewish people to this day build shelters um, outside of their homes and live in them for seven days. Paul, I think we've got some uh, little pictures for there. And it's a source of abundant joy for Jewish people. They celebrate that God is still with them, still for them, as they remember where they came from. And they remember the great biblical stories of rescue and justice and liberation. And they tell them to their children, a really important factor that Thomas McDonald was talking about at Bible Read Through this week. And I loved it because it, it, it just got, it got me thinking about something. So in 2010, September th 2010, I was repeating a teaching placement as part of my uh, primary teacher training. And one of these days I'm gonna get up and preach a sermon where I don't mention my academic feelings, but it's not gonna be this one. One of the things that I taught when I was on that placement in Scottsdale Primary was I taught an RME module on Sakat to a P2 class. And at the back of the classroom, we built a sukkah, so that's the singular of the plural, sukkot, um, FYI. And we got the plants that Jewish people, and, and we shook them to remember that the God is all around us. We got into our sukkah at the end of every day, and I told them stories of like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Daniel and David and all, all the greatest hits. And I loved it. I loved it. I remember walking home down Dumbarton Road one day and I was just like, yo, my job today was to tell Bible to kids class. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was your job? And I didn't know back then, I thought I was gonna be a primary school teacher. I didn't know then that God was going to be directing my career and I was going to be a kids pastor and now a lead pastor here with you and that like a huge part of my job was going to be explaining Bible to kids or otherwise. I didn't know that. I was just like, that would be so great. And I hadn't quite caught up with what God was doing um, in, in me then, but seeds were definitely sown then, do you know what I mean? So looking back on that this week after Thomas started me thinking, like, I have loved remembering where I came from. And it came from having to repeat a failed placement. And that failed placement, trust me, was not the most joyful time of my life. I was doing things like sleeping 30 minutes in my clothes and then getting up and going to work the next day because I just, I just couldn't handle it. It was awful. Um, 
Jim and I were dating at that point, and uh, she can, um, I mean, I didn't shower, you guys. Like, it, it, it was awful. Um, she reminded me to have some self-respect, but I just, <laughs> it, it was awful. Like, my mental health at that time, not good. Um, my personal care, not good. It was not a joyful time. And after doing all of that, like, working yourself, like, 23 and a half hours a day, you feel you miss doing your probation year. You have to put your year on your life on pause for a year. You end up working in Starbucks. Met Paul though. <laughs> Every cloud. Um, and then the lady who did uh, like my observed lesson and decided to fail me came into Starbucks as a customer. <laughs> that was not the most joyful time of my life. But remembering where I came from and like that placement kind of being like the genesis of like the rest of what my career is going to be that was so much joy for me this week and joy kind of works like that sometimes doesn't it that like a time of joy often comes after a time of not joy and as much as we don't like the times of not joy and like I mean a failed placement in the grand scheme of things like I survived and, and whatever it's fine in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal, but nobody likes being in those times of not joy. And when it's genuine, genuine, genuine evil that you're walking through, that's different. But one thing that always happens with that is that after we've walked through it, it gives us a helpful point of contrast to look back on so we can see how far God has taken us and so we can see just how good God has been to us. And that's why this festival works. The Jewish people throughout the ages have um, observed the Day of Atonement, the most solemn day of their whole year. And we join them in that. Like we remember that we'll have to give an account of our lives someday. And I'm not telling you how to feel about that, but I'm gonna be honest with you that there have been times in my life when thinking about how I'm going to do that. Well, the great terror that Moses talked about, like sometimes you feel that when you think about how you're gonna have to give an account to God of your life. But during the Day of Atonement, Jewish people receive atonement. And when they stand on the other side, atoned for completely, forgiven and liberated again, that's when the joy kicks in again. And we celebrate differently. Do you know what we do? We celebrate in the joy that comes from Jesus' fulfillment of these significant days. Like by his blood, we have been atoned for. And if you've given your life to Jesus and you have chosen life, your name is written in Jesus' book of life. And on the day when God judges the living and the dead, you will be counted as righteous and welcomed into joy and life eternal and celebrate that marriage supper of the lamb with all God's people who have gone before you, celebrating what Jesus has done. If you have given your life to Jesus, that is a certainty for you. Here's something that my friend Deirdre reminded um, us of on one of the 8 a.m. prayer calls, part of uh, the 40 days of answered prayer. Because sometimes like the certainty, sometimes it feels like a certainty, but sometimes it feels less of a certainty. She reminded me of this bit in Isaiah 49. And at the start of it, you know, God's people are lamenting and like they're feeling it because it feels to them like God has abandoned them and this is how God responds. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? 
even if these forget. Yet I will not forget you. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your life is safe and secure in Jesus. He will not forget you. If you haven't made that choice to follow Jesus with your life yet, friend, the time is now. Choose life. There is hope for you. There is joy for you. There is rescue for you. There is a supremely powerful God who makes that secure for you. If you feel alone and abandoned, if you feel far from joy just now, choose joy, choose life, choose Jesus. And it has to be Jesus. It just has to be. Look, there's a reality that we don't follow God the way that he deserves to be followed. And it's reality for us now, just as it was for the people in Deuteronomy. And Thomas was also chatting um, to our Bible read through group this week about the bit in Deuteronomy right before Moses uh, calls the people to choose life when he was retelling the golden calf story. Um, reminding the people where they came from. And Thomas's summary of it was great, but we're not gonna go into it all for now. But the big thing that he brought out was when the people sinned and they sinned majorly, Moses went back up Mount Sinai to God and repented on their behalf. And he urged God and pleaded with him for 40 days and 40 nights for God to spare the lives of the people. And God did. It worked. And at pre-service prayer, we often repent for ourselves and for the people of our church and for our city and for our nation. And it works. And it works because the concept of someone else being willing and able to take the sins of others and atone for them is real. Not goats, like in the Days of Atonement. That's not what we're hoping for. We're hoping in Jesus, the perfect lamb who was slain. It's not Moses up a mountain for 40 days. It's Jesus at the right hand of the Father, always eternally praying for us. It has to be Jesus. It has to be. Because he's a powerhouse. And he's stronger than the power of evil and hopelessness and loneliness and sexism and disappointment and racism. And there's rescue for us from whatever blend of evil you find yourself living through just now. There is hope for you. There is rescue for you through Jesus and the power of his blood. He has rescued us from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. So we celebrate and so we feast. And today we celebrate what it's like because of Jesus where we get to stand like it's on the other side of the day of atonement, fully saved fully restored, fully forgiven, fully redeemed, fully rescued, and we get to celebrate with Jesus. So we are going to take on that command to be joyful. Looking back on where you came from to give yourself a point of contrast and looking forward to the glorious wonder of what is to come in the future when Jesus Christ of Nazareth returns and takes his great power and begins to reign. So here we are, my dudes, we're gonna celebrate. Remembering where we came from, remembering that life-changing, eternity-defining rescue that Jesus has secured for us, celebrating our blessed reality 
as we look forward to that future day when we get to celebrate with him and all those who have gone before us and with our God, that incredible, almighty powerhouse who won and secured our life in him, in this life and the next. Very, very exciting. I have got a few challenges for us this morning. One of them you can do straight away, and that's like, let's celebrate together. If you're a guest with us this morning, we would love for you to celebrate. After this service, we're going to go down into the basement, and there's food, there's plenty. We anticipated that you would be with us today, and we have got plenty. And just like the Feast of Tabernacles, this is a feast for everyone. We would love, love, love for you to join with us this morning. Um, Number two, if you are going through something just now that is a major blockade to your joy, because I guess we can relate to the people in Deuteronomy that they were freshly liberated, but they were still living with the consequences of the evil that was done to them in the past. And when we're still living with, I don't know, things from our past that have been done to us, said about us, however it might have been for you, and you're still living with those effects, we would love to pray for you. We would love to seek God on your behalf and with you and ask for him to intervene for good in your life to bring you freedom and breakthrough and joy today. So in a moment, there's going to be a prayer team over here. We would love, love, love to pray for you this morning. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, and you would like to do that, I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that just now. So um, let's all just close our eyes together and like have a private moment. But if you would like to give your life to Jesus today, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you just kind of like echo me in your heart, and um, give your life to Jesus. And you can say something like, God, I know that I need you. And this, me and my own thing, like, isn't working out. I need you. I know that I've sinned, and I know that I still live with sins and compromises in my life, and I want that to end. So forgive, forgive me. I repent and I turn to you. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and I choose to place my life in you. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Bless me with joy and purpose and freedom and belonging. Amen. Let me pray for us all before um, we move into a time of response. God, we bless you and we love you and the joy that we can have because of you is, it's incredible. There's nobody like you. Nothing like you, nothing even comes close to your wonder and your power and your terror and your love and your forgiveness and your justice. God, I pray um, I pray a blessing of joy on, on all our people that are here today and those who aren't here today and those who are watching online. I, God, I pray a blessing of joy on them. I pray a blessing of healing on them. I pray a blessing of growth on them, God, that they would know you more wonderfully, love you more wonderfully, and live for you more wonderfully, because you deserve that. God, fill us with joy today as we celebrate who you are and what you've done for us.